welcome back to another episode of the Second City Hockey Podcast. It's Brandon, it's Dave, and it's yours truly, Brad Rapplinger. Um, although you, you guys have, Dave, you have a last name. It's Dave Melton. I do have a last name. Thank you. And, uh, and Brandon is Brandon Kane. Brandon also has a last name. Facts only. We're here to talk about the news that broke today, not three or four hours ago from when we're recording this podcast. Uh, Henry Yokiharu traded to the Buffalo Sabres for a Nylander. No, not that Nylander, the other one, uh, Alex Nylander, um, or Alexander Nylander, uh, in, in, in a one-to-one trade for, uh, for Hank uh, out of the, uh, the Blackhawks defensive system. So, guys, there is a lot to uncover here. Um, we're going to open up the floor with Brandon Kane. Brandon... Yogi Haruya last year played, I believe it was 38 games in the NHL, had 14 assists. Um, not a terrible year at the blue line, but really was you know, a, a, an integral part of keeping the puck in the offensive zone, which is the direction we thought the Blackhawks were going to take their blue line, and now they've just traded away one of their more <coughs> pieces. So um, what did you think about, uh, about Henry Yogi Haru's uh, 2018-2019 season? Yeah, so before getting into the season, I feel like we have to backtrack a little bit um, to this summer, this past summer, when uh, Connor Murphy went down with a back injury. Um, Murphy's a right-handed shot defenseman. If Murphy is available at the start of the season, Yokiharu is probably back in the WHL or AHL, um, depending on what the – ruling would be on the transfer agreement, whether he was on loan from a Finnish uh, team or not. Mm. So um, if Murphy is healthy, then maybe our whole perception of what Yoki Haru can be is completely different. Um, But yeah, he had 12 assists and, you know, possession numbers had the highest Corsi rating among all defensemen. Um, And when he went, to the AHL, he was, you know, exactly as you would expect. He was a top four guy there. He, let's see, what was it? He was on the ice for 25 goals and 20 against in five-on-five play, according to prospect stats. And he was the only defenseman to play a minimum of 10 games and have a positive on-ice goals percentage. So, um no matter where he played, if it was in the NHL, the AHL, or his uh, stints with Finland at World Junior Championships or the World Championship, he was a viable defenseman who was contributing at both ends, it seems. So um, I think the the negative aspect of this is you had a player who proved that he was an NHL caliber, caliber defenseman, mm-hmm. and – the return is not someone who can, as it seems now, can step into the roster uh, and play next season. So, at least at the NHL level, um, yeah. With with kind of going back to reevaluating his his season last year, um, we got to watch him a lot in Rockford. Um, what did you think of of his play um, as a defenseman at the blue line? Because I know he's one of the more um, and I forget, I think it was, um, was it Sean Tierney of, uh, of, of the hockey stats page? Um, uh, I can't think of it. Is he a cap friendly guy? He's charting hockey. 
That's it. Charting hockey. hockey. Yeah, thank you. Um, posted uh, a graph of his of his production in terms of um, you know maintaining the puck in the offensive zone at the blue line, and I believe he was one of, if not the best player, um, in the Blackhawks system mm-hmm. that played uh, for the Hawks. Um, in that category, at least. And it, it at least kind of seemed that way uh, watching him in Rockford, that he was kind of the um, the focal point of of any offense that was being run in the Derek King system, which kind of mirrored the, the Kaladin system a little bit. But what did you think of, of Yoki Haru as kind of that offensive defenseman, um, you know, spark plug? Not Again, not really a big physical presence that you would, you know, kind of traditionally look for in a defenseman, but kind of as the undersized kind of playmaker defenseman. Yeah, I, th- I think compared to some other prospects in the system on the defensive side, he has more size. Um, but I think the the big thing that everyone points out is the lack of physical play. And it seemed like Yoki Haru kind of shied away from that in the NHL level. And at the AHA level, he didn't have to really do that either because he was paired with Dennis Gilbert a lot. So, um, and that's... That's a big dude. Yeah, that's that's what Dennis is known for, is having that physical presence. So um, if you're going to say that someone needs to – a player needs to work on some aspect of their game, and that's physicality, then pairing him at the AHL level with someone who does that for him doesn't really work out. That's a poor development strategy. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that doesn't fall on Derek King exclusively. That falls on – his assistant, um, Anders Sorensen, that falls on uh, Mark Eaton, the development coordinator as well. So mm-hmm. um, it's not – I know like on the surface it seems like you can just point to one person, but um, especially at in Rockford there's there's multiple people that um, kind of have a hand in that. And sure, I think with Derek King, his assessment was um, – he improved in the defensive zone and he just needed to be uh, harder on the puck in puck battles. Mm. And it seemed like he improved in that area, but um, there's different tiers for evaluating players. And if you're a first round pick, then you're going to be expected more of than sure someone who was drafted lower than you. So. Yeah, absolutely. And that actually, you know, kind of segues into the um, the piece that the Blackhawks got from this trade in Alexander Nylander. And this is where we'll bring in our, uh, our, our resident Alex Nylander expert, Dave Melton. Um, <laughs> I'm more of a Michael Nylander expert than an Alex Nylander. A new, newly minted, at least. Um, Alexander Nylander. No, I, it, we're talking about an eighth, an eighth overall pick in 2016 here, which on paper sounds like a great pickup for the Blackhawks. But um, in the reality uh, of things, you know, kind of looking at how Buffalo played the past two seasons with Nylander, at least in the system or potentially trying to crack an NHL spot. um, He may not have been quite what the Sabres were hoping he would be. Um, But, uh, but it, it's kind of an interesting piece that Chicago ultimately gains on their offense. Um, Dave, tell us a little bit more about um, you know Alexander Nylander and and what you think he's going to do in terms of fitting the system, and you know whether or not you think this is uh, you know worth the return for a, a, a very highly touted defensive prospect. Well, I, it's it's hard to know what Alex Nylander is going to be because he's only played 19 games in the NHL over the course of three seasons. Um, he spent most of his time playing in the AHL, where 
you know, his, his first season wasn't bad. I, I don't think anybody would be disappointed by the uh, the point total he put up that season. But it just it hasn't steadily it hasn't improved from there. Like you would want to see a guy that was a number eight overall pick do. I mean, his, his first season with Rochester, he had twenty eight points in sixty five games. The second season, he had twenty seven points in fifty one games. And I'm trying to pull up the numbers for this season, but I know they weren't much better. But anyway, um, it's just you haven't you haven't seen the spark. You haven't seen the um, the things that he projects to – you haven't seen that offensive upside out of him at the AHL level, and I think that's probably part of the reason why you haven't seen him play that much at the NHL level because, you know, they, they don't believe he's proved himself in the minors, so he hasn't been able to jump up to the to the top level. But it's just – it's um, th- there's obvious offensive talent here, and I, I was reading uh, – uh, flipping through our comment section, and somebody mentioned that the two goals that he's – yeah – yeah, which a lot of good stuff in there, surprisingly. I, I know we, the internet comment sections aren't always the best, but we have some good stuff in there. But, I mean, they mentioned the two goals that he scored were one-time rockets. And if you, if you go uh, hunt them down on YouTube, they're, they're pretty impressive. They, they suggest that that's the goals he scored are not goals that the average hockey player can score. So there's mm-hmm. something there. The, the question is just whether or not he can put it all together at the NHL level. I mean, he projects as a top-line winger. Um, and if you if you put him with players that you know you put him with Kane or Strom or or somebody that has the hands and the vision to set him up in the um, scoring play and scoring situations, he seems like he has the hands to convert. And also his he's got decent wheels as well, which as I think I see on every podcast, that's where the NHL is going. So him having speed is another thing that's encouraging. But the knock on him everywhere you read is just that there's a lack of motivation, which I feel like is always the knock on European-born players is that they're not motivated. It was the knock on Tavo for a while, who's doing just fine in Carolina, by the way. Shout um, out Tavo. I mean, Tavo, shout out. Let me put that in the timestamp. It's the stereotypical knock on European players is that they're not motivated. They're not trying hard because they're not Canadian. And it's it's <clears> I, I like I, I'm sure there's something to it, but I don't put as much stock into it just because that's – it's just the lazy excuse that people come up with when a player isn't doing as well as everyone thought he would. Mm-hmm. So, um, he, like I said, if, ideally you plug him into your top six and like you're, you've got, you know, five years from now we're talking about a top four with Stroman, Debrinket, and Doc and Nylander. And that's pretty good. That could be pretty good for if all those guys reach their ceilings. But um, there, there's a lot of questions about whether or not Nylander is going to – Roots that ceiling and I referenced him earlier his dad Michael Nylander played for the Hawks around the turn of the century he played on like 15 teams it was he was one of the biggest NHL German they had but he had this like incredible spin on his backhand that he could like spin on a dime mm. and he's if uh, Alex Nylander is able to do that I'm on board already so so we'll see if he learned from his dad at all but I think I imagine that's why he wears number 92 and I imagine he's going to be wearing it in Chicago so adding a piece like Alex Nylander to the Blackhawks lineups uh, is ideal, obviously, with, um, you know, with what he could bring you know, as a young forward. And obviously there's a lot of comparison there to you know, the Dylan Strome project. Um, not to be confused with the Alan Parsons project. That's a terrible joke. Um, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. Thank you. you we are the, you are the eye in the sky. <laughs> so – you know, and, and Strom coming out of the Arizona system and ultimately the Arizona Coyotes as well, 
maybe not producing at a rate that they would have thought before they moved him. It took a change of scenery and obviously the addition of him to the Alex Debrinket line, which ultimately became one of the more exciting lines to watch in hockey last season. Obviously that's the hope with, uh, with Alex Nylander as well. So my question, Dave, is where do you think this piece fits in the overall scheme of next season's uh, lines or do you think Alex Nylander ends up playing in the AHL to start the year and then eventually kind of graduates his way up. Yeah, you heard that right. Graduates his way up into the uh, into the starting lines. Oh man, if he starts the season in the AHL, it's going to be really hard for. There's going to be so many Stan Bowman needs to be fired calls because you don't trade. I mean, I know Yokoharu is only 20, but he looked like a top four defenseman. And I know Nylander's been spending the last three years in the uh, in the AHL, but I, it just it's it's going to be a really bad look if Nylander starts the season in the AHL. Mm. So I think I. I think what the Blackhawks want him to do is sh- uh, show up in the preseason and like get some combination with the their top two lines that works really well together and takes off, and then they use that to open the regular season. So, I mean, the the one thing they talked about in this, in the, when they met the media today is that he has the versatility to play the left or the right side, which bodes well because he can play opposite Kane or he can play opposite Debrinket on on either one of the top two lines. So there's the versatility there is a, a major plus. And I, I'm looking at Corsica where they have the line combos to show who he was playing with out in Buffalo. He spent most of his even strength ice time playing with Connor Sheary and Evan Rodriguez. Not exactly offensive dynamos. <laughs> Not uh, exactly. With Connor Sheary and Jack Eichel, was, but they, they only had 27 minutes of even strength ice time in nine games. So, And then I, I guess then it comes down to like the chicken and egg argument is – do you put the young prospect on a line with good players so he can produce, or does he have to earn it by playing well on the third or fourth line? I, I, I don't know. I imagine the Hawks are going to give him every opportunity to be successful. So I imagine he's going to be somewhere in that top six, which uh, even so it's just a matter of where he goes, you know, opposite Kane, opposite Debrinket, however that works. So I think in an ideal scenario, you slot him into your top six. He performs well in the preseason. And when they open the season in October, he's still in that top six and we go from there. Mm-hmm. It's not a total loss if he starts the season in the AHL, but it's, man, that's going to be a really tough look for the Hawks. If you, especially if Yokoharu goes to Buffalo and breaks camp with that team, yeah. and Nylander comes to Chicago and can't crack the lineup. Cause there's, there's room to be had in the top six. Like there's still not six proven forwards out of that group. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, if he gets beat out by Andrew Shaw for a, you know, top line spot, that's, that's going to be rough. Not that Shaw's a terrible hockey player. He's perfect, mm-hmm. but he's would be better suited on the third line. Right. Or at least a higher line spot. In right. And we do still have, you know, there is still time for, you know, Stanbo to, to make moves here. Cause again, we are kind of bumped up against the, uh, the salary cap. Um, if you consider that, uh, you know, there's still the, uh, the Brendan Perlini signing that's hopefully going to come, um, you know, there's a little bit of wiggle room here that can still happen. And ultimately we're, we're kind of banking on the Artem Anisimov trade, but um, you know, if you're talking, if you're talking roster spots, yeah, absolutely. This is where, you know, you hope that this is ultimately going to be the, the, the third or fourth line slide piece that you put in on the wings. And, you know, yeah, like, again, maybe we can, maybe we can see Kirby doc break camp with the team and ultimately he moves his way up or, you know, there's been talk about a Dominic Kubalik or, you know, or even like a Brandon Hagel sort of a thing if you want to move them up. But um, putting... They've got, they've got so many forwards. Just, just like, yeah. 
I feel like there's just an overwhelming number of forwards that it could be that are going to be in camp. And I mean, it seems like Rockford might have a lot of talent to pick from this year. But well, yeah, and that's kind of the next question. And and welcome. They all back. can hang out with Christopher Stieg. There it is. <laughs> oh, 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 I forgot. No, Christopher Stieg's going to beat Nylander for a top six spot. <laughs> that's what's going to happen. Oh, they're break. Oh, are you kidding me? Yeah, Christopher Stieg's just going to be Taves? Alex Nylander's dad. I was gonna say he's gonna he's gonna be <laughs> like the, the playing uh, the season just the way guys. Dear By the way, God. I have to apologize. Brandon corrected me. Alex Nylander was born in Calgary. He's he has Swedish blood in him, obviously, but he's no, he's not born in Sweden. But I think my European player stereotype, I still stand by that. Oh yeah, that's accurate. There you go. <laughs> Second city hockey regrets the year. Eh, <laughs> stats department will clear that up in post. Um, so it's interesting now because you now have the Alexi Sorella acquisition and the John Quenville acquisition. And, oh, yeah, this Dylan Sakura guy who was supposed to be pretty good that I personally still have all of the questions about. Um, and you can just, again, slide in Alexander Nylander into this same little group. Um, it, of these kind of maybe players that are, you know, flirting between that kind of fourth line NHL or first line AHL lines. Um, where do you think Nylander ranks compared to the other players, um, you know, in the, in the Hawks, um, you know, surplus of now nah, surplus of forwards. Jeez. Um, Brandon, where do you think Nylander ranks in kind of the, you know, the power rankings of forwards that can maybe sneak into the lower lines? Ooh. Um, I would put him below Kubelik and above Sorella. I feel like he's number two. Okay. Because um, it, it seems like Kubelik has the most complete game with the best compete level. And as Dave mentioned, that's the knock on Nylander. So I would put Kubelik above him and then Nylander um, and then Sakura's probably right below that. Um, mm-hmm. Not in my rankings, but like thinking how the Blackhawks are viewing this. Um, Isn't Kubalik like 24 too? Yeah. Like, even Sakura mm-hmm. significantly. And Nylander, I, I think still is 21. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. So there's, there's time to improve, but, you know, as you said, three seasons in the AHL, it's, Peter it's kind of like – you know, with Sakura, where it's like, you you should be putting this together now. Yep. So. Yeah, absolutely. What about, so the, you mentioned like the Blackhawks probably view him second overall. What about you, Brandon? That's what we want to know. <laughs> That's what the people want to know. What do you think? Where do you think Nylander ranks in the, uh, in the, the prospect pool of forwards? Right now, I would put him below... Um, Quinville. I would go Kubelik. That low? <clears throat> yeah. Um, just like right now impact mm-hmm. wise. Um, I would put him at I would go Kubelik, Sorella, Sakura, Quinville, and then Nylander. And Nylander, holy um, God, if Nylander ends up behind, I mean, if, if he's still in that same place at the end of training camp, Oh boy! Yeah, but yeah. I, I feel like the gap isn't far with him and uh, better not be. Yeah, with him and Quinville and Sakura, I feel like they're like really close there. Um, but obviously, the ceiling is much higher. 
than mm. those two guys. Um, and I would put him above, like ceiling wise, above Sorella. So mm. um, it's just that Sorella's oh, completely dominated at the AHL level. So little, it's just bit. whether his game will yeah. translate. Oh, yeah, a little bit. Dave, what do you think of those, let's call it of those kind of five guys that are still in the limbo between the AHL and the NHL? Uh, where would you rank uh, the, the Nylander pickup? I mean, he better be number one. No, but again, I, where do you <laughs> think, Dave? <laughs> you know what? I, I would probably put him over all of those guys just because, except for maybe Sorella, because like Brandon said, Sorella's proven himself at the AHL level. Mm-hmm. It's just a question of whether or not that translates to the NHL level. But mm-hmm. you, he was a number eight pick two or three years ago. Yep, and all that talent still has to exist somewhere within that person. You don't just – it doesn't just disappear overnight. So, I think just based on raw talent, I ha- would have to leave Nylander. I'll put him behind Sorella because of the performance thing. But I wouldn't leave Nylander above all those other guys just because – there, there's a reason he was a top 10 pick just three mm-hmm. years ago. So Yeah, so Sorella one, Nylander two. Uh, and then what, John Quinville three? It, put Quinville at the bottom. As I, wow. he's, an, he's an AHL guy, a guy – I. His his name recognition I think catches people's eyes, but he's an AHLer. He, he, and with all the other third and fourth line guys they keep adding to the roster, he's not playing on the he's not playing in Chicago. I'd be stunned if he played in Chicago. See, I the the guy that I think if we're if we're talking strictly forwards, the guy I think that has no chance of getting out of the AHL is Dylan Sakura. He just looked so underwhelming, even at the AHL level when we saw him in Rockford. Because obviously the guy didn't score a goal when he played in Chicago. And how many games did he play? We'll let the I'll give the hey, stats department. How many games in the NHL did Dylan Sakura play? Um, they'll work on that for you. Shout out to the stats department. Um, I I think Sakura is extremely overrated. I think I I still need to see Quinville play. Um, I'm with both of you guys, though. I think Sorella is definitely your top uh, your top guy. Um, you know, in between the AHL and the NHL, um, who could definitely move up um, in that instance. And then I just honestly I haven't seen Nylander play a whole lot. Um, and what he put up at least. Uh, you know, in the AHL last season wasn't overwhelming, but it was more than what Dylan Sakura was able to produce. So, I mean, I'll put him ahead of Sakura, Quenville probably third, um, you know, and then go uh, then go Sakura fourth. Um, man, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be really interesting because now, again, for, for a team that had nothing in the way of third and fourth line forwards, now all of a sudden you've kind of got a surplus of guys that could kind of squeeze their way into the top six. So ultimately, and now you you just have no defense. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll get to that, but, uh, but ultimately do you think Dave, uh, we'll start with you. Do you think that this was a good trade or (laughs) I I was, I was waiting for, I could, I could get some anger out. Let it fly. Well, first off, it goes back to the, the frustration of, Stan Bowman's never drafted, never signed a player he's drafted in the first round to a second contract. Mm-hmm. Not one. Like this whole decade, every first round pick got traded, traded away, didn't sign, released, whatever. None of them have materialized at the NHL level. And watching Yokoharu last year, he wasn't setting the world on fire, but he just looked competent, which mm-hmm. for the Blackhawks defense would be a marked improvement over so many of the guys they had. And I just, I don't understand 
what changed? Because, well, I, I take it back. I have, I'm starting to have an idea of what changed, but he started the season. Quinville was the coach. Yokoharu played a ton. Mm-hmm. And then they fire Q, they bring in Colleton, and slowly Yokoharu's minutes just started ticking away a little bit, a little bit at a time. And then they sent him to the World Juniors in Finland, and then they sent down the AHL and left him there the rest of the season. And I don't have and like and and several media members were talking about the way that Joel Quinville was just could not stop saying enough about how good Yokoharu looked for a 19 year old kid playing his first NHL hockey. And towards like you know later on in the weeks that followed after Quinville was fired, he did take some steps back. But I mean, not as many steps back as everybody else on the blue line did. Mm. So the the whole crux of my concern now is you had a soon to be Hall of Fame coach whenever he retires and Joe Quinville who couldn't say enough good things about Yokoharu. And I of all the the shortcomings of Quinville, his ability to recognize defensive talent is is the one thing you can't question because Duncan Keith, Brent Seabrook, Johnny Oduya, Brett Campbell. Brian Campbell, excuse me, and Nicholas Yalmerson were all top four defensemen under his watch and played the best hockey of their careers under his coaching. Mm. So if Quinville thought Yokohari was good enough, that's good enough for me. But then Jeremy Colleton comes in, and whether it was Colleton's decision or Boma's decision, whoever's decision it was that all of a sudden he needs to go down to Rockford and get more seasoning, I have a really hard time buying into that if Joe Quinville saw differently at the start of the season. And that's my concern is that the people in charge now are not able to recognize a quality defensive player when it was right in front of their faces. Brandon, what do you think about this trade? Um, I don't think it's a good trade. Um, and I feel like, yes, Colleton wasn't in favor of Yokiharu. And also, like, them sending Yokiharu to World Juniors worked out perfectly because that's when Connor Murphy returned in December. So Murphy returned. They freed up a spot for him by sending Yokihara to World Junior. Um, so then they had Gustafson, Murphy, and Seabrook on the right side. Mm. And that allowed Gustafson to play with Keith. Should have sent Seabrook to the World Juniors. <laughs> I think we both know that the only time that Seabrook is going to the World Juniors is if Carter is playing in a couple of years. There it is. Fair. <clears throat> um, but... Yeah, I don't. I know that they had to move one of the defensive prospects, mm. and I always thought it would be Mitchell or Yokiharu. And, yeah, and they they went with Yokiharu. Um, yeah, I just don't understand why you would move Yokiharu if he had already proven himself, mm-hmm. um, and if. And, you know, he did. So why didn't they get a guy who had shown the same? Yeah. And, and I wrote about this in our part of our season recap series. Like, if you look at Yokoharu's numbers and compare him to, like, all the other first-round defensive picks from the last three to four years, including, like, Rasmus Dahlin, Miro Heiskanen, uh, Miguel Sergachev, Sam Gerrard, Charlie McAvoy, Ivan Provorov, Zach Wierenski, like Noah Hannafin, all these guys that are becoming really, really good defensemen in the NHL. Yokoharu's numbers are right with every single one of them. Mm-hmm. And I don't, so yeah. I don't, and, and now it's like, now we go back to square one. Now we go back to hoping that we hope Ian Mitchell is good. We hope Adam Boquist is good. And we hope Nicholas Bodine was good. We were starting to see that Yokoharu was good. 
And so now it's the waiting game. And it, it feels like this is like the 30th time that we've done this with the Blackhawks young defensive prospect with like Dylan Olson and Nick Letty and uh, Stephen Johns. <laughs> yeah. And, oh, my God, I mean, we could be here for an, and Adam Clendenning. And, I don't know, pick your favorite one. There's like 96 guys that they've had on the blue line that were going to be the next, you know, heir apparent to Keith and Seabrook. Right. And then they mm-hmm. got traded away or whatever. So it's just, it's just the frustration of we're, we're back to square one. Mm-hmm. the 18th time yeah and i think that like circling back to it like if the blackhawks actually played to the competition they had in was it february like right before the trade deadline where they went on that run and actually started being good mm-hmm. if they crapped the bed like everyone thought they would and ended up trading eric gustison then maybe this doesn't happen because yoki haru has a spot on the right side because they tried playing him on the left and well, that just did not work out well. And if they picked Eric Gustafson over Henry Yokoharu, we did. That'd be a long podcast. It almost almost seems like they picked Seabrook over Yokoharu. It's like, Mm -hmm. like, why don't you make a space for Yokoharu? Like, Mm -hmm. I don't see why, like you, he was a first round pick. You should be making room for him. You should be accommodating him because this is supposed to be the future of your franchise. Yep, and he's ready. He's battle-tested. You're not sitting on an Ian Mitchell who's at 18 years old still developing. This is a guy you can plug in and play when seemingly, according to the front office and John McDonough, the window is still open. So why trade away an NHL-ready piece? And he wasn't perfect, so... Like I don't want to make it sound like we're you know putting him in the Hall of Fame already, but he just looked competent for a 19 year old. So, which is far more than we can say about just about any other prospect the Hawks have had ourselves for that matter. And we should probably qualify everything with if Alex Nylander turns into a stud, he has the Dylan Strom effect in Chicago. Great. But then the Hawks still have no help on the blue line this year. Mm -hmm. Yep. Or at least budding blue line help that we still have a lot of question marks about, which we will talk about on the other half or on the other end of uh, of a commercial break. Hey, come on back. We're still going to talk about uh, some of the free agent signings that the Blackhawks had last week, as well as uh, the return of the mutt. So uh, stick around. Uh, shout out to the corporate overlords here for the next like 30 seconds. I don't know if what they're advertising is some like, you know, intrepid utopian podcast or whatever it is. So um, check that out or not. Just skip right through it. And uh, we'll be back after this commercial break. The, uh, the second, second, second <laughs> city hockey podcast. Mm. This, uh, this chunk of the show brought to you by uh, Crystal Light Peach Tea, um, Stiegel Radler of the Grapefruit Variety, and uh, good old H2O. Um, ho- hope everybody enjoyed the, uh, that commercial break um, in whatever form of advertisement that was from Vox Media and assorted SB Nation uh, websites. We're back to talk more Blackhawks. Um, let's talk some free agency, boys. Let's talk about uh, some of the signees that, uh, that Stanbo and company brought onto the staff, um, specifically the signing of uh, David Kampf, Ryan Carpenter, and, uh, and the goaltender, Robin Lehner, which um, 
that's really exciting. I can't wait to get your takes on that. Also, the mutt is back. Uh, we're going to talk a little Andrew Shaw. But first, Brandon Kane on the microphone. Uh, Brandon, let's hear your take on, uh, on the signing of David Kempf. Um, good, bad, fill the need, just kind of a waste of space. What are we thinking? Um, I liked it. I think the term of the deal and all that is perfectly fine for a fourth line center, which is what he should be. He plays a great role defensively. So, I mean, why not? Um, And then when you see what the Sharks gave Kevin LeBlanc, who's far better of a hockey player than David Kampf is, Mm. it was just the same deal. It's like, all right, Which, I'm totally on board with this. <laughs> yep. What is it? Two two years, a million dollars each year. Not a bad little contract. Yeah. So, I I don't see how anyone could view it as negative to bring Dave Camp back. Yeah, need to fill the the lower line role. Dave, any any words on the on the camp for? Uh, perfectly fine is exactly what I would say. Cool. But just like eh. Good work. Uh, we'll take eh. Uh, Ryan Carpenter, Dave Melton, uh, what are your thoughts on the former Vegas Golden Knights joining uh, Vegas for Gordon at Vegas Golden Knights forward? Oh, and I need more beer. Um, Vegas Golden Knights forward signing a three-year deal with the Chicago Blackhawks. This is the one that confused me a little bit because they've been, they've been talking about all about his penalty kill prowess and how that's going to be the big area where he helps the Blackhawks. If you go back and look at the stats from last year's Vegas Golden Knights, there was roughly five or six guys who played at least 50 minutes on the penalty kill last year. If you go to the Corsica website, you can look up these statistics yourself, or you can look up the article that we had last week at the website. Ryan Carpenter was the worst on the team in terms of like shots against per 60 minutes, goals against per 60 minutes, Corsi events against per 60 minutes. There were more shots, chances, shots, and goals on the penalty kill while Carpenter was on the ice than anybody else on Vegas. Now his numbers were still better than some of the Blackhawks penalty kill guys, but not as much that just, he was like the sixth worst penalty killing forward. I should preface all that. It was all among the Fords, but the sixth worst penalty killing forward on the, uh, on a penalty killing average unit. I think they were like 14th or 15th in the league, somewhere mm. right in the middle. So we've got one of the worst performers on an average penalty killing team to help the Blackhawks historically terrible penalty kill. So maybe a change of scenery and a change of um, change of strategy and tactics helps him, but I, I have concerns about that signing because of that. It seems like he can win faceoffs though. Maybe that helps too. But Jonathan Taves won – 53% I think of his faceoffs on the penalty kill mm-hmm. and he was by far the worst penalty killing forward on the Blackhawks by all the numbers and some of the worst numbers in the league last year so I have no idea what to expect but I have reasons for concern about that. Brandon any thoughts on the addition of one Ryan Carpenter? Yeah I think Dave nailed it on the head there. Um, I know the Avalanche signed Another former Vegas Bellamar, Bellamar, Bellamar. yeah, P. E. Bellamar, yeah. I don't know and, how to say his name. Yeah, same here. Um, and he was better on the PK. Um, I think that it'll be interesting to see what Mark Crawford implements on the PK strategy and how 
the wingers compete for face-offs mm. um, on the penalty kill. Cause I feel like that's a underrated aspect that people don't really look at um, where, I mean, a guy can win a face-off and then the winger loses the puck battle mm. and then right, right. the other team can just take it. So, um, and I haven't, I mean, I don't think any of us have really looked into that too much, but um, I feel like that's an underrated aspect that um, maybe him playing, you know, center or wing, um, maybe that can improve. But uh, yeah, definitely. I think uh, Shepard Price, another staff writer for us said, Mm. you signed the wrong guy. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Shepard, I think he was writing for Vegas and, the Blackhawks. Yeah. Kept, as soon as they signed him, he he messaged all of us and or posted in our group chat and just why 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 did why did they do that? Yeah, just wrong guy. <laughs> no, um, not not, enc- not encouraging. Yeah. Yeah, but it still kind of fills a void that the that the Hawks needed in terms of just a little bit more size uh, on the lower lines. Um, I think having just a little more aggression, at least at the wing position is, is never a bad thing, especially when that's totally what the Blackhawks lacked last season. But I do agree with both of you guys in, you know, in the selling point being, Oh, well, he's going to be the guy that ultimately, you know, brings the PK over the top and ultimately is the guy that's going to be, you know, you know, win some more face-offs and, and ultimately be a, be a little more greasy of a, of a player, which I mean, yeah, kind of, but uh, it, you you could do better um, in in trying to find a player that you know that's going to be a little more gritty and uh, um, well not the mascot gritty but be a little more uh, you know be be a little more aggressive in the in the, you know in the scoring zone and uh, and ultimately you know in the slot and try to you know just be a little bit more physical because that's a guy that the Hawks haven't had for about two seasons. Hmm. All right. That means that they should also bring back Andrew Shaw, uh, who inked a, what is it, $3.9 million a year for the next three seasons. So Shaw is a Blackhawk, uh, at least under contract, until the end of 2022. Uh, he gets traded uh, with the Montreal Canadiens, uh, or the Blackhawks uh, trade with the Montreal, Canadi- Montreal Canadiens for three draft picks to get Andrew Shaw. Uh, we'll start with Brandon. Brandon? What do you think about the Mutt's return to Chicago? What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> Good night. That's it. <laughs> it's just sounds like me. That sounds like me after the whole Yokoharu trade. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I, I just. I have nothing. I don't. I don't know why this was done. I know that he performed better with Max Domi and. Um, I'm forgetting who the other it wasn't Pat, was. Not with. Patch. Uh, was it uh, Deneau? Philly De, uh, former Blackhawk Philly Deneau? I was going to say. No, no, that's not who or it was. Or Druin. Was it, was yeah, Druin? it was Druin. It was Druin. Um, so I know their numbers were better with him. But, man, if you have the worst PK in the league and then you bring in Andrew Shaw, who <laughs> put up <laughs> an incredible amount of penalty minutes, and it's fine. And if you if you look at his numbers, yeah, they're down. But he also missed a month with was it a broken jaw, right? Or I or thought it was a, a concussion. I thought he had a concussion. A concussion. It could have been the same thing. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. So 
if you, I mean, they, they bring this guy back who they know will take dumb penalties and they have a bad PK. And it's just, I don't, you can't try to fill a, a void and then take two steps back. It just, it doesn't make any sense to me. I don't see that he's drastically improved his game or will stop being a dumbass. So <laughs> to me, this is just a retread that's going to go bad. And um, I think Chris Versteeg, Daniel Carcillo, and I think there's one other player oh, that's God. been brought back. That's one that's one again. And Shaw's going to fall into the other side of that category of a player who's won a championship or two championships in Chicago comes back and doesn't do it again. Interesting. Uh, Dave. Mel- <laughs> yeah. I, I'm, I'm less concerned about the retread issue with Shaw because Shaw's still like 27, 28. Yep. 27. He's, he's, he's not as old as all the other retreads were. Like I, I think Oduya was in his thirties. Sharp was in his thirties. Campbell yep. was in his thirties. These guys are all at the tail end of their career. Shaw's like still like in his prime years pretty much. So I'm not, I'm not as negative on this trade as, as uh, Brandon appeared to be, but <laughs> it's still like, it's like we're going to get the Andrew, Andrew Shaw experience in the first game when he, you know, goes in hard in the fork check, wins a board battle, gets the puck free, results in a goal, and then his next shift he'll take a stupid offensive zone penalty. And then the Hawks are down for two minutes. They'll probably give up a goal. It's a 1-1 game. That, that actually, that might be the Andrew Shaw, Andrew Shaw hat trick. A, a, a successful <laughs> board battle, a goal, and then an offensive zone penalty. That's the Andrew Shaw hat trick. I'd like to, I'd like to trademark that right now. But it's, I mean, you guys remember the Gordy Howe hat trick? Well, here's the Andrew Shaw. Hat trick. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna exactly. say. Like the thing is, it's 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 all just how they use him is is my thing. Like if they're trying to make him a top line guy, I don't like that. Like he's he had like in the twenty. 14 playoffs they had like a two-week stretch where him sod and Kane were out of their minds and they almost beat the LA Kings by themselves but outside of that Shaw's best served as like a third line guy he can be a really good third liner on the Hawks I'd really like him there but I'm worried they're going to try and crowbar him into the top six and it's just like slightly above where he needs to be like with Shaw it's like if he's in your top six, your team's probably not that good. But if he's on your third line, your team's probably pretty good. At least your forward lines are. So um, if you can get him on the third line, perfect. If they're going to try and make him a top six guy, that's going to drive me insane. But, he, like, I'm just waiting. The offensive zone penalties are coming. We know they're going to happen, and we're just going to have to get through it together. All right. I just <laughs> sit down, boys, here. You're about to get some educated uh... – so, oh God. in 2016, the Chicago Blackhawks traded Andrew Shaw to the Montreal Canadiens for... I love your French. Two draft picks in the year 2016 in the second round. Both players taken. One, Alexander Dabrinkit, and one, Artur Kayamov, which will leave the... The other winger out of it. Yeah, you shouldn't even mentioned him. Just you, go with the first guy. You get Alexander Dabrinkit for Andrew Shaw. Hell freaking yes, that's a oh, win. Yeah. Stan Bow wins that. Now, he gives away three draft picks to get Shaw back, none of which are above the third round. I believe it's a fourth, a fifth, and a seventh is what they got for Shaw, and they pick up the rest of his contract. But still, I don't hate this one bit at least you've 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 bought and flipped 
Andrew Shaw for Alex to bring it. So Stan Bowman, you beautiful bastard. The, I have no complaints with that. Number one, but now you have to integrate Shaw into the Blackhawk offense. And if you watch any highlight of Andrew Shaw in a red and white Indian head sweater, every goal he scored in 2015, 2014, everything was in the paint. Everything. It's in front of the goal. It's the stupid goals that you get those rebounds, the greasy gritty goals. Um, that you end up in front of the, in front of the crease for that is Andrew Shaw. When Shaw left, who took over that position? Anyone, anyone? No one. Jonathan Taze did. And that goes to show you that when Jonathan Taze isn't scoring a crazy amount of goals in the slot like that, or in the crease, rather, you probably should find somebody to retake that position. So Taze can go back to what he was doing in 2014 and 2015. Does anybody remember how good Jonathan Taze was in 2014 and 2015 on offense? He's pretty damn good. Now, look, I'm not saying that moving Taze back in the offense is going to result in him putting up career numbers, but I will say that if you put, um, if you put Andrew Shaw in the crease, you have already filled in a role where, yes, you've now got that you know stupid player that's gonna you know take pucks in the face and headbutt them into the goal and like you needed that. You absolutely needed that. Oh, thank you. Uh, as, uh, Second City Hockey Stats Department is back. It was Chad Chris uh, was the other one. Which hey, Chad Chris currently uh, playing in uh, in Rockford. And I'm a Chad Chris fan, anyways. But beside the point you needed to fill a role in kind of having that net front presence there. That wasn't there when Panarin was here. You didn't have that a whole lot last season. Taze kind of backed away from that and had a better year offensively. You now put Andrew Shaw there and yeah, at 27, he's in his prime, but he plays a rough and tumble game. That's probably going to mean he plays maybe 50 games this season. But if you put him in the crease, maybe throw Ryan Carpenter in the crease as well, you add a little bit of that grit and size and move Taze back away more into a scoring position, and I think you've just created more offense. Add in the fact that you've bought and flipped Alex Debrinkit in that whole thing, and I don't hate this one bit. Um, it'll just be really interesting to see if Shaw ultimately can stay healthy uh, and ultimately play 50 or so games. I think he played, what was it, 57 games last year um, in Montreal before, again, he had the concussion. So even if you get 57 games out of him this season, again, as long as he can provide that net front presence, I don't hate this pick uh, or this this trade, rather, at all. Um, any thoughts, guys, or... I, mean, I just think that the cap hit is way too high for someone who you just don't know what you're going to get out of them, really. Um, coming back from a concussion and a knee injury the year before, but that's the thing. That's the the theme with all these trades that Bowman's made. Uh, Ole Mata's had injury issues. Calvin DeHaan won't probably won't be ready for the start of the season, mm-hmm. um, and then. You have Andrew Shaw, who's had his injury issues. So, yeah, I'm not a fan of it. I I understand why people are, but I'm just not a fan of spending almost $4 million on On a fan favorite. Beat up. Yeah, a beat up fan favorite. I hear you. But, Brandon, you hate fun, so we're going to move on. Um, ah. 
we're actually going to move on to arguably the most important piece that happened in free agency, and that was the acquisition of goaltender and Vesna runner-up Robin Lehner. He uh, took third. Okay, second runner-up. Um, <laughs> Vesna finalist, thank you very much. Um, yeah, the Blackhawks acquired Robin Lehner for a year, which in – the grand scheme of things last season, having Corey Crawford play half a year, I believe it was ultimately. Um, I don't have that in front of me, but uh, ultimately you needed another goaltender. Uh, Cam Ward, thank you for your service, but barely, a- barely able to keep, uh, keep the save percentage barely around uh, 900 was eh, kind of shaky, but yeah, no, you needed another solution. And as, okay of a, of a goaltender and, and decently solid as Colin Delia was. Um, the fact that Robert Lehner kind of just fell into the Blackhawks laps because thank you, New York, um, for screwing that up. Um, ultimately, this, I, I, this is the home run um, right here, and I would love to get your thoughts on it. We'll start with, uh, we'll start with uh, Mr. Anti-Fun over there, uh, Mr. Brandon Kane. Um, do you hate the fact that there's now a, a Vesnia finalist in the, uh, in the Blackhawks organization? Or? Um, so Stan Bowman made a dumbass move oh, by, dra- by drafting Dominic Bassey. And then he turns around and makes a brilliant move by signing. Totally redeem yourself. Right? So I think this is smart because he's 27, right, Laner? Mm-hmm. Correct. Yeah. So you give him a one-year deal um, with Crawford coming off the books next season. Um, I mean, he could resign. At 34. He'll be 35. His birthday is December 31st. That's awesome. Anyways. <laughs> um, thank, thank you, Brandon. <laughs> we're, we're birthday neighbors. I know this. There it is. Um, so he comes off the books or he could, you know, re-sign on a maybe like one and a half mil per season deal mm-hmm. for two years. Um, and you make Leonard your, quote, number one after that and give him like a four-year deal um then you have two i would say top 10 probably Mm -hmm. two top 10 goaltenders in the league oh absolutely the best Uh, core in the league that's for sure and i mean yeah leonard's numbers probably were helped out by a strong defensive system and with the islanders last season but hey one-year deal, see if it wasn't a, quote, fluke. Um, and if it's not, then bring them back. Um, and if they decide to let Crawford walk, then you have Delia or Lincoln that can step in and be the number two. So mm-hmm. um, if this is the position that you're going to have your one splash, quote, move, and you have an aging guy in net, I feel like this is a smart one to do. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, Dave Melton. Yeah, I think Brandon pretty much nailed it. Like it's, I was surprised because I didn't think the Hawks were going. I, I didn't hear anything about the Hawks being in on Lantern. and I assumed he was going to go back to the Islanders. But uh, as like as you said, Brad, they completely screwed up that thing and kind of ran him out of town with the way they they handled their postseason stuff. So 
it's it's um it's it's a very interesting move. I think it does give the Hawks a really good goalie tandem. I mean, Crawford's still a question mark next year. I mean, the last oh what was it the last like month or two of the season, like he looked like the Corey Crawford of old as the Hawks mm. made that one last run to try and get a playoff spot, ultimately fell short. But so you still but you still like you said Crawford's gonna be turning thirty five this year. He's had all these concussion issues. There's nothing wrong with getting a really good insurance policy behind him. Mm-hmm. And and then as you I think Brandon was talking is if Leonard is just as good this season behind the Hawks terrible defense as he was behind that really good defense in New York. Next season you go with Leonard and, and Delia as your backup instead of Crawford and Delia as the backup. Um so it's it's a very, very good move by Stan Bowman. I was surprised that they got it. It'll just the, the biggest question will be how well he plays in Chicago, considering it was a totally different experience that he had uh, last year in New York with that incredible defense that Barry Trotz always brings him down. Mm-hmm. And in the other thing, not just to how he plays, but how much he plays. And I think this ultimately actually takes a ton of pressure off of Corey Crawford. Um, oh, yeah. Cam Ward last season was fine, but. I think the idea was that you had signed your backup and okay, Crawford's going to still play 50 or so games and then, you know, have Ward sprinkle in the remaining 30. And, and quite frankly, now I think the tables have flipped. I think Robert, I think Robert oh, no. is your starter. No, um, no. I, I think Not- Laner starts about, I'm going to call it late forties, early fifties worth of games. No um, about well, the, about the fifty-ish kind of mark, and then sprinkle in the next thirty-two for Corey Crawford. The Blackhawks have sixteen back-to-back game uh, nights this season. Sixteen back-to-back ones, and unless you ride the hot hand, and ultimately, which I think is going to be Leonard. It, Crawford may work his way in here and there, but they're going to try to make Crawford last as long as possible. And if, which we'll get to this. If the Blackhawks end up in the postseason, then you can plug in a Corey Crawford for his, you know, right off into the sunset moment, his David Ross moment, if you will, for Cubs fans out there. Um, I, I love this move. I absolutely love this move. Um, and, and as Brandon was saying, too, you get him on the one-year deal. I Thank you, New York, for going all in the pain on Barlamov. Holy smokes. Um, You've got a 27-year-old goaltender that's slightly less expensive than Corey Crawford on a one-year deal um, at age 27. If you want to sign him to a longer four- or five-year contract after this, if he does well, you can do that. Um, And quite frankly, Robin Lehner made a really bad Buffalo Sabres defense look semi-competent two seasons ago. Um and still managed, I believe, to have over a 9.2 or a, a, a 9.20 save percentage. So if he's able to produce that in Buffalo with that defense, uh, in the 2016 Buffalo defense, I, I love this. I absolutely love this. I think this also takes a lot of pressure off of a defensive core that, as we talked about earlier, has no hopes of being anywhere consistent, at least. Um, so, yeah, no, I having arguably I'd, – I'd call this the best goaltending duo in the league um, in terms of having a starter-backup combination. And, and again, we, we're not sure who's going to start and, and who's not, but I absolutely anticipate Robin Lehner to have at least – here's, your, here's the, the hot take. Robin Lehner will start at least 40 games this season, at least 40. I just – you start the season with Corey Crawford as your number one. If they – like, if you put – 
don't you, you don't put a free agent signing over the guy that's been your number one for the last eight years. Corey Crawford ended the season healthy. He starts the next season as the number one goalie. Outside of that, we can talk. But like, if they you don't demote your franchise goalie of the last decade just because you signed a guy who had a really good year somewhere else, be be very upset if they decide to do that. Yeah, I, I will. I will. I will write a sternly worded letter. <laughs> yeah, like look at what Boston did with Tuka Rask. They kind of held him back, especially in that middle later part of the year. You know, you had you had Halak kind of taking the bulk of the work there. As you're at, ultimately, I thought he was younger than Tuka Rask. He's actually older. Um, but Yaroslav Halak actually took a, a decent chunk of the back half of the schedule to prepare Tuka Rask for you know, consecutive playoff runs. And I, I absolutely think that that's what the Blackhawks are going to try to do with, with Laner and Crawford. And that's where I think Laner gets a lot of starts, um, especially in the back half of the season. And again, that's where you're starting to get into the, the back-to-back games. In, in, and ultimately, if the team makes the playoffs, which we'll get there here in a minute, that I, you then Corey Crawford, take us through the playoffs, do your thing, you're our guy. But Robin Laner, take the you know the bulk of the work that could also that could ultimately tucker out or <laughs> dare I say it knock on wood you know bang up your your number one goaltender so that he's at least you know as healthy as can be going into the playoffs I think that's the play here yeah I mean you Crawford's getting older you want Leonard to play a lot more games and if the you know if ideally if they make the playoffs you want to have Crawford rested up and ready for that that grind and it helps to have another guy there with him. So I, I don't think Crawford's going to be playing 55 games anymore. I think maybe somewhere in the 45 to 50 range might be ideal. But I'm just saying just don't – like I think Corey Crawford is still the number one goalie in Chicago, but we'll see what happens after that. It's a good problem to have. It's, it's a very yes. good problem to have. Yes, it is. And, uh, and quite frankly, it, this better work because you've now invested $11 million in your goaltending, which yeah. – is okay. That's not a bad thing because that's kind of the most important position in <laughs> hockey. You're going to need it because they just traded away the best defenseman they had. <laughs> there it is. Oh, man. It's, it's going to be interesting. So before we head into a, uh, another quick break here, gentlemen, do you think the Blackhawks addressed everything that they needed to? And if so, do you think this is a playoff-ready roster? Ultimately, um, I think the uh, – what was it? The the Twitter guy again, Hockey Charts or whatever it is, Charting Hockey. Um had them at 94 wins with the uh, 94 with, wins. Yeah. With, or, or, yeah, 94, yeah. 94 wins. wins in 94 an wins, 94 wins in an 82 game schedule. My friend light them up. My friend, all you people, it's this record breaking season. No, 94 points this season. Um, which uh, I haven't uh, hold on here. I got to look up the NHL standings for last season, but I believe that's a wild card berth. Um, at least in the West. Uh, do we think Stanbo has addressed all of the need for this team or is there still maybe one or two more moves there out there to make? And then ultimately do you think this is a playoff team? Dave Melton, you go first. Well, I still think Anisimov seems like he's going to get traded just to free up salary cap space. Cause they're right up against it right now. So I, I can't imagine they're going to start the season with, without freeing up some more salary cap space. It's, and, and it seems like Anisimov, is the type guy, the top guy to get traded. Although I will say, we've talked a lot about with the addition of Nylander, I guess in hindsight, if he jumps into the top six, that couldn't make 
Brandon Saad expend well, not expendable, but that couldn't make them think that Brandon Saad would be expendable. Although if they trade Brandon Saad, I don't know what Ford they are going to have on the roster that plays defense because apparently Nylander doesn't do that. It's anyway, gonna a, it's going to be a fiery yes. podcast if that happens. <laughs> anyway, um, yep, I think they there wasn't any really anything good out there for them to sign. I liked the trades that they made until the Yokoharu one. Free agency was was fine. Uh, adding liner was a really good move, especially because it's only a one year deal. One year, it's really hard to get upset about one year deals. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't really get screwed with even if they paid him eight million just for one year. It's fine. It's mm-hmm. when you start paying two, three, or you know, seven years of Seabrook. That's when you get yourself into trouble. Ultimately, if this team stays relatively healthy, I think it's a fringe wild card team. That's I, I think they're they're in a spot in the battle for a wild card if this team stays healthy. I think defense will be a little bit improved, not as much as we would have hoped, but I think it'll be improved enough that they'll um, they'll be able to sneak into a wild card spot provided everyone's the majority of guys stay healthy. Lock it up, Brandon. I, I'm a little less optimistic than Dave, um, which might come off as surprising, but. No, for you, poo poo. <laughs> um, go ahead. They're gonna. They're only gonna. They're only gonna have seventy-eight points this season. They get, go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. Figure that out. No, I mean, if they're gonna do that bad, they might as well have sixty-nine points. Like there it is. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I just don't. I've kind of soured on the the Olimata trade, um, and with Calvin DeHaan, it's all. Like, if he's healthy, then things drastically improve. And when is also a big factor in that. Because if they start the season and he's ready to go, then the team has a big boost to start. Um, But if he kind of falls back on his timetable and misses a month or something, then that's kind of a rough go of it. Um, I can see them hovering around, like, like where they were this past season where it's like mid eighties to 90 range. Mm. Um, granted the Western conference was like not good. Um, <laughs> where like the coyotes were a walking hospital ward and almost made the playoffs. Mm. So I feel like that's the range. And I don't think you can look at the blues and say that they got worse I don't think they got better. The the Blues yeah. and the Jets, they didn't do anything. Well, the Jets, they did things, which was nothing. Right. And that was bad. Um, or the, I mean, they, the trades they did do weren't great. But mm. um, I think that there's been a shift with, I, I mean, we've talked about it enough. Like, Colorado is just climbing and climbing. And I feel like this is a season – where they kind of put it together and make that push to the conference final. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, Hey, you can make all the judgments you want about Stan Bowman, but he's not Paul Felton <laughs> or Fenton. Yeah. So they're not going to be as bad as Minnesota. Uh, I don't know if they can leap Winnipeg or Dallas. I, I just, 
Dallas is going to be really interesting to watch this season. Oh, got- oh, the the four time off season champions. Yeah, they yeah. Got, yeah, but they got <laughs> they'll, they'll suck again. Old, they got really old. Um, yeah. So yeah. I mean, I feel like if they just looking at the central division, they would have to leap Dallas and Winnipeg to get in. And I don't know if they they can do that. And, I mean, there's always the possibility that the horseshoe falls out of St. Louis's ass that they've had for the last three months. <laughs> like, I mean, there's there's no guarantee for them that Jordan Bennington isn't just another Cam Ward. So mm-hmm. It's true. I mean, I mean yeah, St. Louis, I love that so St. Much. Louis just caught lightning in a bottle. And, I mean, credit to them. Like, they, they made something that clicked and it all worked for them. But they're – I don't look at that roster and think that's like a powerhouse dynasty for the next. Oh next. yeah, I agree. They look very, that was like a very 2005 White Sox type of thing where everything just happened to fall into place for one season and they had a great run and you know, maybe they do it again next year, but it also wouldn't surprise me if they regressed heavily. So. Yeah. Yeah. I just think that there's like a, a section of like those three teams where you're like, you didn't really like, go for it and like really improve and you didn't really like completely fall apart. So no one knows really what to make of the central aside from Colorado. Like, Oh, well shit. And in Nashville, like, Oh, you, you got Duchesne. Good for you. You lost Subban who was like kind of regressing, but what are you going to do on your back end? So, Mm -hmm. but then in Chicago, it's like, well, how can you criticize Nashville's back end? (laughs) Like, or anyone's. True. I, th- I think we're, it's going to be like last season with the Hawks where we just hope they can score a million goals a game. Because I, I, it seems like that's going to be their, their key is that they can just outscore everybody. Because I think their forwards look pretty good. But that, that defense. Oof. Yeah. yeah. Ulti- ultimately, I think it comes down to goal differential. Um, well, and like, oh, oh, you mean like the score of the games? That's what it comes down to? <laughs> no, you're just how volatile – because just how volatile both sides of the puck can be. Because last year, obviously, yeah. the offense the, – the game that comes to mind was – what was that, the home opener was uh, – or was it the, the, the second game at, uh, at home against the Maple Leafs? Um, oh, the yeah. the, the, the I can't hear you Austin Matthews-Patrick Kane game, which was amazing to be at. Um, yeah, no, I – I think this. I think this team's definitely over ninety points. Um, I think that. I think they they made the the seven point jump that we needed them to make. Uh, now it's just a matter of again, uh, is some of this younger talent going to develop as we think, or does you know does Stanbo have one more magic trade up his sleeve, or uh, or one more play to try to move Artemisium off for a center that can win a few more faceoffs? So, but yeah, no, I I'm I'm definitely pleased with what they did in the off season. I think there's one, maybe one more move to make again at the center position um, to, uh, to ultimately bolster some puck control. Um, I'm, I'm just reserved the fact that our power play is going to be absolutely trash, um, which is a thing, but whatever, but you get the full year of, co- yeah. Penalty kill, right? Oh, penalty. Kill. Well, yeah. Yeah. yeah that- the power play might not suck again. I, I'm looking forward to that, but yeah, penalty kill. Yeah, we'll see. Um, and, uh, and, and it'll be interesting, you know, it very interesting to see what, uh, what happens there. So, um, 
we're going to take one quick break here and then wrap things up. So again, everybody uh, refill your beverages or if you're very likely in your car or at work, uh, get a, another cup of coffee if you're at the office or if you're in your car, make sure you use your turn signal, you bastards. Um, and uh, enjoy another uh, corporate plug and we'll be back to wrap things up. segment of the second city hockey podcast on this the uh, the 10th of july it's actually like it's leftover season gents is what it is because <laughs> like the post fourth of july like leftovers and stuff we had the italian beef here which again just throw a little ice in a bowl and get that going that's uh that's always good yeah oh you gotta you gotta dip that's, that's a good way to go absolutely absolutely brandon's probably not a dipper um no i am uh, wow, you do like fun. Okay, all right, never mind. <laughs> I, I, I have it. I you don't do like, like fun. Look at I don't you. manually dip it myself. I have, oh. like, I order it dipped. Oh, dear God. All right, so no, before, that's, that's not before we need to tap into the, uh, into the, into the douchebag jar anymore from the uh, <laughs> jar. Uh, jar let's uh let's get into it um shout out schmidt um okay clearing up uh not clearing up just cleaning up a couple of administrative things here at the back half of the show um chicago pro hockey league starts today when you're listening to this that's wednesday night uh i believe the first game is five o'clock at the fifth third bank arena Yes. Uh, Blackhawks practice facility used to be the MB ice arena pick up, pick up commercial bank of your choice. Um, yeah, go check it out. Um, there's, uh, there's five current Hawks there. There's uh, three prospects and a host of recognizable players as well. Um, so definitely check them out. Um, that's always a fun game. And it is like we were, I was talking with the Brinkett last season during that event. And he said, it's about 80% of the speed of a real game. So it, it moves pretty quick and it's pretty generally pretty, uh, pretty exciting. So definitely check that out. That is a, an eight week season, I believe um, Wednesday nights. Um, prospect camp is next week uh, that it's Monday through Friday. Um, that starts 1 PM to 5 PM every day with the exception of Friday which is a 9.30 a.m. scrimmage. Um, and everybody's at the scrimmage, if I remember correctly. The, uh, the prospects are generally there uh, during the Monday through Thursday segments, which is a great time uh, as well. It's a really good chance to see the players up close and personal. That is also at uh, the, uh, the Fifth Third Arena. Um, you can actually run into us there. I think either maybe Tuesday or Wednesday, we still have to decide. Um, also we have to figure out what we, I have to figure out when I can take off from work from that shout out to the day job. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think that's all the administrative things. Seriously, prospect camps, a great time. Um, so is CPHL. It's actually a really cool atmosphere. So, um, definitely get out to, uh, to fifth third to, uh, to check that out in the coming weeks um last topic gentlemen uh and we we had thrown this around our group chat and this is what is ultimately going to get everybody all hot and bothered um let's do we stick to the i think we just stick to the major teams um the of the of the big five let's call it um between the cubs the Sox, the bulls the blackhawks and the fire um Gentlemen, uh, wait, wait. You just said Cubs, Bulls, 
I think you're missing one. Oh, the Bears, duh. Cubs, Bulls, Bears, <laughs> Hawks, White Sox. Yeah, we'll stick to that, those five. Of oh, yeah. those five, in order from most recent to not most recent, who do you think is the next Chicago team to win a championship? List the teams in order when they're going to win their next championships. Uh, we're going to start in, uh, in Munster, Indiana. I, you're not actually in Munster. You're somewhere. That's, no, no, that's it. Like right down the street from Three Floyds. Good call. Hey, <laughs> recently moved to Munster, Indiana, Dave Melton. Um, please, please feel free to tweet and direct message Dave Melton for all of your zombie dust needs. Uh, Dave, uh, oh, who do you think is the next Chicago team to win a championship? Please oh, it's look. the Bears. It's undoubtedly the Bears. That's why I, when you list, listed the teams off, I was waiting for the team that I was going to put number one on that list. <laughs> Bears, it's going to happen in about seven months or so, and it's going to be great because the, the Blackhawks suck. We can just watch the Bears until February. And, then, the ne- and then your next four? Go, it, it would be Bears, Cubs, Sox, Blackhawks, Bulls. Oof. What, yeah, like Because like, I, I think I – think, as much as I have joked around about Joe Madden being baseball's Mike Dicka for the last two days because of the Crosstown Classic, I think the Cubs have too much talent to not win a world another one. They're just they're they're it's going to click again at some point in the next two to three years. Yeah, but when? Do it really soon because the White Sox are coming. Yeah. When when that whole thing gets assembled, that looks like it could be a pretty good thing. So that's why I think they've I got them as the next one. Um, the Blackhawks are fourth just because I don't know it it, it there's Every season, it seems like something new pops up as a problem for them, and I, I'd love to think that this current core of Taves, Kane, and such is going to get one more, but every year that goes by, I get my doubts get more and more about whether or not that's actually going to happen. And then the Bulls are just a dumpster fire. Everything's terrible. I'm not even the biggest follower of the NBA, but I know that the Bulls just keep <coughs> screwing things up every year. I mean, so, yeah. So, there you go. There's my five. That is, the, that is the correct take. Bars. Bars. Brandon Bars. Kane. So we're, we're not including the Red Stars in the sky in this, right? Or the Bandits. Because no, the, no, the cr- no. We're, we're not going to include the Red Stars because they traded Kristen Press, and we're not going to put the sky in because they traded Elena Deladon, and I'm still salty about both. That's a valid. That's <laughs> the actually Red Stars valid. traded for Sam Kerr. <laughs> Come on. But they traded away Kristen Press. That's a valid point. Kerr's the I, best player in the world. I, def, I defer to Dave Melton wait, on this wait, one. Brandon, wait, please wait, continue. <laughs> See, yeah. the best player in the world, huh? Yeah, two-time MVP. Soon to be three. I heard her name's not Tobin Heath. Welcome back okay. to the Second City <laughs> Hockey Podcast. <laughs> sorry. Go, go ahead, Brandon. I'm sorry. I'm cu- I'll, I'll, stop. I'll stop now. Carry on. Okay. Um, so, excluding those two teams, I have Bears, Cubs, Blackhawks, White Sox, Boom. Fire Bulls. <laughs> I, are the Fire still a dumpster fire, or they? They? I feel like they stopped being as much of a dumpster fire as they had been. They can win at home. They can't do shit on the road. Are they going to win at Soldier Field? I mean, they're not going to win it. CD Stadium anymore. <laughs> <laughs> uh, take a longer pause before um, you answer, Brandon. So, yeah, Bears, Cubs, Blackhawks, White Sox, Fire, and then that other basketball team in the city. All right. So, 
you're all wrong. So the correct answer is the Chicago Bandits because they're going to win this year. Shout out Brenna Moss. Um, give me, give me of the of the big five. Uh, give me the Bears in February of 2020. That's right, this season. I'm with you, Dave. The Bears. Um, and yes, Lawrence Holmes, Mitchell Trubisky is good at football. Um, then give me the Chicago Blackhawks in June of. 2021. You're still in the window of the uh, of the Taze and Kane regime. Um, you're on the very back end of a Duncan Keith and Brent Seaver contract, which you never know. One of those two could maybe just disappear. Also, that's the last year of the Andrew Shaw contract, so that would kind of be like God. fitting right off into the yeah. sunset there. <laughs> um, so give me the Hawks in June of 2021. Uh, that's the 2020-2021 season. Um, then give me eh, with a lot of concern. Oh, give me the Cubs in 2021 in November of 2021. Same sort of a thing. You got the Bryant Rizzo window and I think Contreras is around again for another season. Uh, oh, and Javi is around for another year too. Cause he's out in 2022 um, before that core gets blowed up. So I think that core has got one more in it as well. Although dear God, find some pitching, please. Um, and then the White Sox, the next season uh, in 2022. I think the the 2021 baseball season, I, the Sox, I think, are two years out. Um, but they're going to be so good, and they're already kind of fun to watch, man. And I, as a Cubs fan, oh, don't yeah. hate the White Sox. Shout out Tim Anderson. Um, that is, uh, that's going to be a fun team as they continue to grow and develop. And I think they're a playoff team next year. So book that as well. Um uh, then I've got, let's see here. Then I've got the Loyola Ramblers winning the NCAA tournament. Then the Paul Blue oh, Demons God. winning the NCAA tournament. The UIC Flames winning the NCAA tournament. Uh, the Schaumburg Boomers will win one. Then the Chicago Dogs get one. Um, and then go back around again and like maybe sprinkle in another, like, you know. What about the Windy City Thunderbolts? Yeah, well, yeah technically not a Chicago team, but I mean, yeah. Oh, we what just- Schaumburg is? Shout out to uh, shout out to the Kane County Cougars. They're going to win a, Midle- a Midwest League championship, and then uh, <laughs> the Bulls. Um, that is going to do it for the uh, Second City Hockey Podcast. We thank you for listening. We thank you for the support. We thank you for your comments and your feedback. Hit us up secondcityhockey.com for all things Chicago Blackhawks. Again. We will be there for Prospect Camp next week. We don't know when, but check the Twitter because we'll probably post it there. Um, I uh, shout out the uh, um, the the Puckin Wright Chicago Monday podcast uh, with Shaylin and Megan. They do good stuff. There's a Friday show I think on the way um, as well. The uh, the the previous interview again really solid. You should check that out. Um, Let's see here. Thank you to our corporate overlords, Vox Media and the uh, the, the SB Nation Podcast Network um, for hosting this and handling all the administrative things on the side. Uh, shout out to Robin Lehner because I can. And uh, we will see y'all next week with some prospect camp discussion on some players that we think are going to make us splash in the uh, in the upcoming seasons. Uh, again, thanks again, and we will next week.